Matthew 21, we'll begin at verse 1. Let's read the word of the Lord together. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, Lord, open our hearts that we may hear and receive and respond to what the Spirit will say to us in the preaching today. I lift up other life-giving churches and I pray blessing upon them and I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you that you draw them to a place of repentance. I especially pray for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith I ask you, O Lord, that you will send the Holy Spirit after them. Don't let one of them be lost. Father, we've prayed and ministered to the people and the needs here today. But if there's one that still is struggling, or if one who is part of our online congregation in need of your special touch, I ask that you will extend the grace of your help and touch them at the point of their need. I thank you for hearing our prayer. I thank you for doing this. I pray these things in the only name that matters, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The streets of Jerusalem were bulging with more than twice their normal population. Every day, more and more pilgrim travelers were arriving as the nation of Israel prepared to celebrate the Feast of Passover. The local economy was booming as foreign coins were exchanged for temple shekels and animals certified by temple authorities as being ceremonially clean were purchased for sacrifice. The very air crackled with energy. The question on the lips of everybody in the streets was whether Jesus would dare to show his face during this holy occasion. Most were aware of the controversy he had created and the disdain with which he was viewed by the religious leaders. Up until now, he had shunned the spotlight and refused the accolades of the masses. Every time people wanted to elevate him, he would retreat. Anytime people wanted to shout his praises, he would instruct them to keep quiet. When great crowds flocked to him, he would immediately say something that sounded so harsh, so bizarre, 
that most would leave, shaking their heads at what had possessed them to follow him in the first place. Seeing Jesus riding into town on the back of the young donkey, the people immediately knew there had been a dramatic change. The normal mode of transportation for Jesus was walking, but here he was riding on an animal, and not just any animal, a young donkey. This wasn't the lowly beast of burden that we think of it being today. This was the animal that a king would ride when he came to a city in peace. The moment they saw him on that donkey, the crowd recognized this as a fulfillment of the words of the prophet in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation. Humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. No one knows who started the cheering. No one saw who first threw his cloak down in the road. No one remembers who grabbed the first palm branch and began waving it. However it began, it wasn't long before an ordinary Sunday turned into a spontaneous celebration with a crowded parade route and a cheering throng. At its center was Jesus, riding into the city of Jerusalem on a young donkey, while the crowd hailed him as their much-awaited Messiah King, shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Had this event occurred in our time, the major networks would have rushed to be first on the scene with live coverage. CNN would set up a satellite link. Highlights would have been shown on the evening newscast. Pictures would have flooded the internet and memes would have proliferated. (laughs) A true investigative reporter would not have just covered the entry into Jerusalem, but he or she would have gone behind the scenes and tried to uncover the backstory. There would have been some research and some digging to try and find a nugget of information not reported by any other outlet. Well, had they been looking for it, they would have found something that sounded positively conspiratorial. Jesus sent two of his disciples into the village to secure a donkey and her colt. Now, I I don't know how you read it, but this is cloak and dagger material. Apparently, the use of this donkey had been pre-arranged And the code word that would signal to the owner it was okay to release the animal was to say to anyone who would object or try to stop them, the Lord has need of them. That was the password. Now, I don't know how you think about things, but I have to tell you that when I think about the Lord, I don't often think of him needing anything. I mean, the Bible says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. The Lord speaks through the prophet in Haggai 2 and 8 and proclaims, The silver is mine and the gold is mine. He declares in Psalm 50 verses 10 and 11, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. Now that doesn't sound too needy to me. This is Jesus, God incarnate, the Word who formed the universe. I mean, if he needs a donkey, why doesn't he just make a donkey? I mean, he spoke the world into existence. Surely, surely he can handle a donkey. 
You remember one time he sent Peter to catch a fish with some money in its mouth to pay his taxes. So, so why not have him go catch another fish to buy himself a donkey? Throughout the pages of the Bible, you can find where the Lord used something that belonged to someone else in order to accomplish his work and bring glory to his name. Think about it. He used Moses' staff, Aaron's rod, David's sling, Elijah's mantle. In the miracles of Jesus, he used somebody else's water jar and water to make wine for the wedding feast. He used a little boy's sack lunch of five biscuits and two sardines to feed the multitude. I mean, here's the deal. God has chosen to intentionally limit himself. He has chosen not to act independently, but rather to act interdependently. He has chosen to work in cooperation with you and allow you to work in cooperation with him. In so doing, he allows you to have a share in his miracle life and to partake of the blessings which he brings. At the same time, this is a model for how people in the body of Christ are supposed to relate to one another. See, we aren't designed to be solo acts, but we are called and designed to work together to accomplish the things of the kingdom of God. On this Palm Sunday, just as those donkeys were loose so they could be used by the master, even so, I want to tell you, the Lord has sent his spirit to loose you from everything that holds you bound. And the reason is because the Lord needs you. He needs your skills. He needs your talents. He needs your material resources. He needs your obedience. He needs your very life to be lived to the praise of his glory. Now, the Lord needs you, first of all, so that he can accomplish the divine purpose. See, if Jesus was going to fulfill the Old Testament prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 and ride into Jerusalem on the back of a young donkey colt, then he needed a donkey. I want to tell you in the same way, if his divine purpose for healing and deliverance and comfort and peace and joy and fulfillment and salvation and restoration, if those things are going to be fulfilled in our day, the Lord needs you. He has no hands with which to heal the hurts of this world other than your hands. He has no voice to speak words of life to this world other than your voice. He has no physical presence on this earth to demonstrate the Father other than you. And I don't care how many people want to relegate you to the back row. I don't care how many people want to place you on the shelf. I don't care how many people want to ignore you or count you as insignificant. I'm here to tell you today, you're important to God. You're special to the Lord. You're significant to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Lord needs you in order to accomplish the divine purpose. Now, when I read this story, it's interesting to me to notice what the owner of this donkey didn't say when the disciples told him the Lord needed his donkey. He, he didn't make excuses. He didn't say, well, well, you know, that's all right, but, but you know, this, this colt is young, and, and he's never been ridden, and, and, you know, I wouldn't want him to buck Jesus off and, and embarrass him in front of that crowd. Maybe you better wait 
until I've had a chance to work with him a little more. But now that I think about it, maybe it would be better if you just got somebody else's donkey instead. That owner never said that, but, but we do. We make excuses to God. In fact, we're full of excuses. The Lord needs you to teach. And you say, uh, but I'm not highly trained or skilled. The Lord needs you to share your faith. Uh, but I'm shy and don't know a lot about the Bible, and I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing and mess it up. The Lord needs you to give your tithes and offerings, but I have a lot of financial obligations. The Lord needs you to be present in his house to worship so that you can receive spiritual nourishment and you can be an encouragement to other believers. Uh, But I have company coming in. And I was up late last night and, and there's so much work that needs to be done around the house. The Lord needs you to pray, uh, but, but the telephone is constantly interrupting me. The Lord needs you to live your life as a testimony, uh, but my job is so demanding, and the atmosphere on my job is so terrible, and the pressure is so great. Lord, if you'll come back later, I'll be in a better position to cooperate with you. If, if you'll catch me next time around, I'll be more prepared. I'll be ready. I'll have time to clean it up and make it more presentable for you. Uh, Now that I think about it, Lord, maybe it would just be better if you went ahead and used somebody else's donkey. Their talent is so much greater. Their skill is much more developed. They have much more time. It wouldn't be nearly the sacrifice for them that it is for me. Their donkey is definitely the one you should use. Aren't you glad you shouted earlier in the service? (laughs) Listen. I don't know why the Lord chose that particular donkey. I mean, there were thousands of donkeys in the land. I don't know why he chose that donkey. Neither do I know why it is that the Lord chose me to be his child. I don't know why he chose me to be a preacher. I don't know why he gifted me with certain gifts and called me to this certain place of ministry at this time. There are thousands of people from which to choose. There are thousands of ministers he could have put here. I don't know why he chose to put you where you are at this time. But this I do know. I know it's an honor to be chosen by the king. God doesn't choose you to serve him and live for him and do the work of his kingdom because you're so good looking. I hate to break that to you today. He doesn't choose you because of your educational background or because you're a better person than your neighbor or because you're more influential or because you have more talent or more ability. His choice is an act of his grace. You don't deserve it, but he honors you by calling you to serve him and live for him and minister in his name. It's an honor to be chosen by the king. It's an honor to work with him to accomplish the divine purpose in this world. So the Lord needs you for the accomplishment of divine purpose. Then I want you to know the Lord needs you for the perfection of praise. In verses 7 and 8, The Bible says the people laid their garments on the donkey for Jesus to sit upon and they took off their cloaks and laid them on the road for the feet of the donkey to walk upon. That's interesting because when a man pulled off his outer garment, his coat, he was in essence pulling off his identity because his garment spoke of who he was, what he did, how he was known. I mean, we have that today. 
you walk, you walk into any place and you see somebody in scrubs and you immediately think medical profession, right? And in this crowd of, of garments, you had everything from the rough, coarse, ill-fitting fabric of the common laborer to the expensive, tailored covering of the wealthy and the elite. When they laid their garments on that donkey and in the street, it was as if they were saying, Lord, I've come to honor you today. I've come to worship you, but I can't worship you hidden behind a self-imposed identity. I can't worship you clothed in the restrictions that culture and society would impose on me. So I'm going to just strip myself of what I think I am. I'm going to lay my reputation down before you. I'm going to lay my position before you. I'm going to take everything that everybody assumes I am and everybody thinks I am, and I'm just going to lay it before you. When I offer my worship to you, I'm going to worship you in what I really am. I'm going to lay my identity before you, Lord. And if it pleases you, you just feel free to walk on what I am. Walk on who I am. Walk on what everybody thinks I am so that when this day is over, I can say that I have truly worshipped you. Don't you worry if people don't understand your praise. See, they can't understand your praise because they haven't been through what you've been through. God hasn't done in their life what he's done in yours. He hasn't brought them from the same place he's brought you. After all he's done for you, you've got a right to praise him. See, if it had not been for the Lord, some of you would be in the hospital right now. If it had not been for the Lord, you'd be in prison right now. If it had not been for the Lord, you'd be in the grave right now. But God has kept you. God has helped you. God has delivered you. God has redeemed you. God has protected you. Go ahead and praise him. Not only did the people remove their garments and lay them in the road, but the Bible also says they cut down palm branches and waved them. That's why it's called Palm Sunday. (laughs) Now, some of you have been with me to Israel, and I've been a couple of times. We know in Israel there are a lot of different kinds of trees. We saw some of those. There's there's olive trees, there's fig trees, there's sycamore trees, there's mulberry trees. I mean, the, the list just goes on and on and on and on. But when it came time to raise a banner in worship, John's gospel says they chose palm branches. They chose the palm tree first because no matter how tall the palm tree, the root system runs deeper than the height of the trunk. When people began waving palm branches before the Lord, they were saying by their actions, Lord, I want you to know today there's depth to my praise. This isn't some kind of shallow praise. I've chosen the branch of a tree whose roots run deep because I want to send you a message, Jesus. I want to tell you that my praise runs deeper. I've been through some stuff, but I'm still praising. I've had my share of hurts, but I'm still praising. Oh, I've had some problems, but I'm still praising. I've been through adversity, but I'm still praising. I've had people say things and do things to me that have created deep wounds, ah, but I'm still praising. My praise runs deeper than my My praise runs deeper than my troubles. My praise runs deeper than my disappointments. I'm not going to let anybody or anything steal my praise. 
Now, not only does the palm tree speak of depth, it also speaks of flexibility. When the storms come and the winds blow, that palm tree may bend and sway because of the wind that's coming against it. It may bend until its fronds kiss the earth, but it's not going to break. I can hear those palm tree praisers saying, Lord, I've got an experience behind my praise that causes me to bend at times. It's caused me to sway. It's caused me to get shaken up at times. Those storms and those winds have pushed me almost to the ground at times. But Lord, I want you to know that even though I may bend, I'm not going to break. When all is said and done, when the dust settles, I'm going to be found standing tall, waving my praise to you. Times may get tough, but I don't intend to break. Things may come against me, but I don't intend to break. Circumstances may blow against me, but I'm going to follow your word, and I'm not going to break. And one thing is certain, if you make this kind of determination to praise, there's always going to be some killjoy sitting around on the sidelines waiting to rain on your parade. <laughs> when Luke tells this story in his gospel, he says that there were some of the Pharisees that wanted Jesus to rebuke his followers for their exuberant praise. Remember what Jesus said? He told those Pharisees, listen. If these don't praise me, the very stones will cry out. I was thinking about that this week, and I got to wondering how many people would lose their seats in church if the Lord came through and started evaluating their praise. We get up and we start shouting, the king is coming, the king is coming. How do you respond? Is your praise joyful enough? Is it passionate enough? Is it genuine enough? Or would you lose your seat to a rock? What about it? If I came to you, if I came to you and said, Jesus is coming, and how would you respond? Yay! All right, you can keep your seat. If I said, Jesus is coming, you said, well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's good. You know what? We'd have to just ask you to vacate so we can put a rock in your place. Put a rock. If you can't do any better than a rock, we'll just let a rock do it. I'm telling you, the Lord is building his kingdom. He's looking to sit upon his throne in the midst of his people. It is your perfected praise that builds the throne for his kingdom rule and reign. He needs you to perfect praise. He needs you to show a discouraged and hurting world how to usher in the presence of the Lord through a praise that refuses to be stopped and refuses to surrender its place to rocks and stones. The Lord needs you for the accomplishment of divine purpose. He needs you for the perfection of praise. Finally, I want you to know the Lord needs you as the voice of proclamation. The Messiah is entering the city of Jerusalem. 
In response, the people lift their voices and begin to proclaim, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, that wasn't what everybody wanted to hear. That wasn't the most popular message. It wasn't politically correct. It wasn't in keeping with the popular thinking. Remember, this is the day when they, every, every citizen of the Roman Empire was required once a year to come and burn a pinch of incense and say, Caesar is Lord. And now they're proclaiming Jesus as Lord. It wasn't in keeping with the popular opinion polls. This proclamation was a prophetic word. It was a word of truth. And may I just tell you, this is the voice that is desperately needed in our world today. In the midst of a culture glorifying that which is unrighteous and unholy, the Lord is looking for somebody who will dare to stand flat-footed, square-shouldered, with fire in his eyes and thunder in his voice and proclaim without compromise, thus says the Lord. We live in a culture that is dominated by situational ethics that says, if it feels good, go ahead and do it. It's a culture that declares that everything is okay and nothing is forbidden. It's a culture that demands that the church forsake its standards and conform to the prevailing winds of society. It's a culture that intimidates and ridicules and even legislates in an attempt to cancel the voice of people of faith. It's a culture that declares, if you would just be more accommodating, more compromising, then the country could heal quicker. If you wouldn't be so rigid, if you would just change some of your standards, the world could come together in unity. This is the day when the Lord needs you to be a voice of proclamation. He needs someone to declare what the Word says. So when the Word says it's wrong, it's wrong. When the Word says it's right, it's right. When the Bible calls it sin, it isn't a mistake, it's sin. It isn't an affair, it's adultery. It isn't lack of willpower, it's addiction. Before you need counseling, you need repentance. Before you need therapy, you need deliverance. Can I just tell you today that just because something is legal doesn't make it right, and doesn't make it righteous. You can pass laws to make abortion legal, but that doesn't make it righteous. Just because two people of the same gender can have a ceremony and sign a document and be recognized as married according to the laws of the government doesn't make it righteous or acceptable to God. It may be legal, but it isn't holy. You can celebrate the decision of a male to identify as a female, but that doesn't negate the biology of the chromosomes. It doesn't negate the lie of the enemy, and it doesn't negate the truth of God's word that he created a distinction by creating male and female. make no mistake about it when the truth of God's word is proclaimed there will be opposition 
It will be just as vehement as was launched against Jesus by the religious elite of his day. It may even lead to a cross. But whether or not the word is received or believed, the mandate is to proclaim the truth of God's word. The world may not believe it, but they will know that a prophet has been among them. I don't enjoy confrontation. And I certainly don't hate those who are practicing those things that God says are sin. But I want to tell you today, I care too much for you to join you in your dysfunction. I care too much for you to join you when you persist in identifying with something that will ultimately lead to your destruction. The Lord needs you as a voice of proclamation to a hurting, wounded, dying world. He calls you today to proclamation. He calls you to proclaim health. He calls you to proclaim deliverance. He calls you to proclaim relief. He calls you to proclaim redemption. He calls you to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to bound. He calls you to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. He calls you to proclaim good news to the afflicted. He calls you to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He calls you to proclaim comfort to those who mourn. He calls you to proclaim joy to those who sorrow. He recalls you to proclaim recovery of all that has been lost. He calls you to proclaim hope in the midst of despair. Light in the midst of darkness. Restoration in the midst of ruin. He calls you to proclaim grace and peace and hope and life. He calls you to rise up in the power of the Spirit of God and proclaim the King is coming. He's coming for a clean pure spotless bride he's coming for those who are surrendered to his lordship and are living according to his word he's coming for those who are looking and longing for his appearing proclaim it by what you say proclaim it by what you do proclaim it by how you live the lord needs you to be a faithful voice of proclamation of the truth of god to this generation The response the Lord is looking for in this Palm Sunday is the same one he got from the owner of the donkey in verse 3. If anyone says to you, says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. Watch this. And immediately he will send them. Immediately he will respond in obedience came to this pulpit today to tell you the Lord needs you. He needs you to accomplish the divine purpose. He needs you for the perfection of praise. He needs you to be a voice of proclamation. Are you willing? Are you willing for the Lord to use you as inept as you may feel? <laughs> as unbroken as you may be like that young donkey colt that had never been ridden? Are you willing for the Lord to use you? Let's stand together.
Pastor Larry, I just thought of this. I hadn't thought of it before. So forgive me for not prepping you on this before. Take me to the key of F, please. This was a song that we used to sing. I, I remember singing as a kid in church. Most of you probably won't even know this one. Some of you will. But we used to sing, Jesus, use me. And oh, Lord, don't refuse me. For surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. Would you sing that and make that your prayer today? Jesus, use me. And oh, Lord, don't refuse me. For surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. Lord, one more time want to dedicate ourselves to you take us as imperfect as we are if you can get glory out of us if there if there's anything in us you can use enable us empower us equip us by the work of your Holy Spirit and we'll surrender it to you in this day, give us courage. Infuse us with the power of the Holy Spirit because, Lord, that is the, that is the energizing force and the, and the power that we need so that we can do what you call us to do. Open doors for us and help us to recognize those doors that are open and give us the boldness and the courage to step through them to accomplish your divine purpose in this world. I thank you for that. I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We dedicate ourselves to you one more time, Lord.